Welcome to the FinTech One-on-One Podcast, episode number 313. This is your host, Peter Renton, chairman and co-founder of Lended FinTech. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome David Tuyo. He is the CEO and president of University Credit Union. Now, University Credit Union is is based in Los Angeles. They began at UCLA and they are they are um, on several university campuses throughout the state. And but I wanted to get David on because he's been a, a real trailblazer um, with technology, which we get into in some depth. He talks about the, the, the things that, that credit unions need to do, how they partner with fintechs. He talks about the experience that they've had partnering with fintechs. We also talk about you know, digital offerings and, and lending and uh, how credit unions are really set up to, I think, grow uh, dramatically in, in the coming years. And he talks about sort of how that's going to happen. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, David. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So I want to get started by giving the listeners a little bit of background. It seems looking at your LinkedIn profile, you've been around the credit union space for most of your career, but can you just give us some of the highlights to date? Starting out uh, in college, I was in consumer finance and then went into retail investing, then into more institutional uh, investing, representing with different pension funds, insurance companies, banks, credit unions. And the like, and then uh, moving my way over to credit unions full time. Uh, after that, for the past you know 17 years, been a fantastic last few years here at University Credit Union. Been here for four years, and um, currently serving the organization as its president and C- CEO. Okay, so then what was it that that attracted you to this job? I know you've been in a few years, as you say, but what was it? Do you remember that really sparked your interest here? At university specifically, it was who we are, who we serve. Being someone of an academic is my background, you know, being able to serve the community that gave me so many benefits throughout my life through education uh, is something I'm very passionate about. And so for me, it was a, a pretty easy fit. Um, and then after meeting our board of directors and understanding more about the business and what we're trying to do for the future, can be more excited to get started four plus years ago now. Right, right. And so what about credit unions specifically? I mean, it's like, how did you kind of get involved and what's attracted you when you've continued to stay involved uh, in most of your career? But what is it about credit unions that you like? Unbelievably lucky to fall into this space. Uh, I was sitting as a financial advisor at a well-known firm doing extremely well and enjoying helping people on their financial plans, helping them with estate planning, tax planning, um, risk management, risk management. But then uh, I got a phone call one day from uh, what is a banker's bank or a credit union's credit union, so to speak, a, a corporate credit union. And they said, hey, we want to start this investment division, this financial strategy division. Would you be open to uh, making a move? And at the time, I didn't know anything about credit unions. I didn't know what a credit union was. <laughs> and, uh, and so I had to do some research. I ended up going through the process just for my own edification. At that point, fell in love with credit unions, fell in love with the whole idea that, you know what, we can do this in a not-for-profit cooperative manner where we are helping make sure that, that we operate and execute at a, at a national level around economic inclusivity and not just for one segment of the market for all, but not necessarily around profit being the main motivation, but in, in true service 
to the member owners that you were built to serve that you're founded by. So for me, it was fairly simple. Um, and having two children, young children at the time, um, making that decision, I knew that I could come home each and every night, look them in the eyes and know that I was doing good work for, for, the, for their future. Let's talk about University Credit Union for a bit. From looking at the website, it's been around for several decades. Can you give us some of the history there? Yeah, University Credit Union is an amazing organization. It was founded in 1951 by employees at UCLA. And so we talk about disruption in today's world. Well, um, you know, credit unions were the original disruptors of banks. So in 1951, there was a handful of employees that said that they wanted an alternative to traditional banking to the big banks. And uh, they founded University Credit Union then, started at UCLA, been expanding ever since. Uh, and currently we serve my family members are very wide, but serve uh, a variety of universities and higher education facilities across the great state of California. So the, it's just within California, right? So is the geographic footprint located like focused on LA or what is the geographic footprint? Although we are physically located in California, we do serve members in every single state in over 30 different countries. Okay. So pretty exciting there. As far as physical locations, we do focus providing facilities at our university partners. And so we have a variety of branches. We call them advisory centers because that's really what they're there for at different universities across both Southern California and Northern California. No advisory centers outside of California? No advisory centers outside of California. In fact, we only have one uh, advisory center that's off campus, and that is at our main headquarters uh, just off campus at UCLA. Okay, got it, got it. So then maybe you could uh, uh, give the listeners a a short summary of the different product offerings you have? Is it a pretty typical mix uh, uh, that what you, what you guys are providing? For us, we are a full service financial uh, institution. Um, and so we are providing everything from basic services like checking, savings, money market, you know, to, to more advanced things. So you talk about on the, loaning, on the loan side as well, um, you know, residential mortgages, commercial mortgages, all types of consumer loans, credit cards, debit cards, of course, online banking, mobile banking. Um, you know, so full service, the same kind of service that you're going to use anywhere else. We, we offer those same things, similar offerings at University Credit. And in addition, we have wealth management, insurance services as well to help our members around retirement planning, education planning, and, um, and more advanced uh, strategies there too. Right. So what about, um, you mentioned mobile banking, online banking, but I wanted just to spend a bit of time here on the on the digital offerings. I mean, how are you operating digitally and how, what, what did you need to do at the start of the pandemic to serve your members uh, differently? You might be uh, regretting ans- asking that question because this is something I love talking about. Okay, that's, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> being, being in California, being in LA, we, we have some of the best partners and just really culturally a good environment to be extremely creative, particularly in the, in the digital space. And so we launched several different AI initiatives. And so we're leveraging artificial intelligence and machine learning to better serve our members. We use it to automate our expense reduction methodologies internally, also our income generation that we're trying to do going forward. We've been able to manage through the pandemic because of our AI solutions Um, Right now, we have our AI bot answering about 26% of all phone calls in in a first call resolution basis. It's pretty impressive right now. We think we can get that number to closer to 60% as it continues to mature. But right now, it is something that's resonating really well with our membership, but then also helping us battle the staffing up and downs that you're going to have through the pandemic. And whether it's our employees that are affected directly or whether it's their family members um, at home or friends uh, of some nature that, that cause them to be out of work. We want to make sure we can support them during this time frame, but still make sure that we can serve our member owners. And so 
artificial intelligence has been a great tool for us in, in that regard. With digital banking, of course, we continue to make different choices there. But before the pandemic, we were already doing video conference banking where um, we had live chat, of course, that was more of a chat feature, but then also video banking where our uh, coaches, our financial coaches were meeting with our members wherever they were, whenever they were in the world through a video interaction um, and, and being able to do everything in that interaction as if you were in the branch. So if they needed to sign loan documents or they wanted to look at a financial plan and make some different changes, they could do that as well all within that environment. So they could do that in the comfort of their home on a Saturday morning, or they could do it in their office on a lunch break. And so they didn't have to worry about getting in the car and driving to a branch anymore. Um, It's something that we thought that was an ultimate convenience for them. So that all started before the pandemic? You started all that? And we actually launched that initiative back in 2018 Okay, uh, is when we went live with our 1.0 version of that. We're probably now into our 3.0 version of that today. But it, it's been a, a fantastic benefit for our member owners and our employees are enjoying it as well. Because, uh, again, in the pandemic environment, as we went remote, as we weren't work from anywhere, they were able to take a similar backdrop to what I have behind me. And they're now operating in this video environment um, again um, through the past 15, 16 months. So it sounds like, well, I mean, obviously, I'm sure it was disruptive for everybody. It sounds like you you managed to serve your members in a similar way to what they were used to. Is that is that correct? It's fairly accurate. The disruption for us was more on the employee side. Right. Uh, you know, trying to get everybody in a very short time frame, less than three weeks to, to work from anywhere. You know, at our size organization, we didn't have an inventory of access devices you know, such as services, laptops for people to say kind of, oh, here's your laptop, go home now. And so we had to make those adjustments. And at the time, if you recall, trying to find computers in that time frame right. was very, very difficult. We did a pretty good job, but we were still about 30 short when it was all said and done from getting everybody working from home. And so we we were going around to all the different Microsoft stores, all the different Best Buys locally. You know, our executive team was trying to find devices from all over Southern California to get in, in our hands of our team members. We actually put orders in online for 300 different devices in hopes that we might get fulfilled for 30. <laughs> and so it worked out fine. We, we ended up going through this, but it was a, a challenging time for sure. The, talk about the unknown unknowns that this, this was something that we've never faced in our lives that we have, our country hasn't seen in over a century. So um, in, in, in this, from this perspective, we had plans in place that helped us prepare, um, but nothing at this level. So um, what about fintechs? I mean, are you, are you partnering with fintechs at all today? Yes, we love our fintech partners. Um, I know some of my peers are looking at them as a potential competitor. Uh, but for us, we really do find tremendous value in partnering with uh, various fintechs, and not just fintechs, also insurtechs, regtechs. Uh, you know, there's a variety of technology verticals that can help support your operations as a credit union or, or, or a bank for that matter. Um, and we're using uh, and partnering with fintech companies that help us around different solar loan initiatives that we have, um, residential lending, um, also uh, loan origination. We also have you know, using them for various systems and, and support in the back office as well, where they're solving some back office issues around um, robotic process automation, making sure that as our various systems that don't aren't more built to talk to one another, they're helping us build seamless and frictionless integrations across the board that then provide a superior experience to either our team members or to our member owners. So and it's been a great partnership for us. Also, we have several QSOs. QSOs in the Create Land are usually joint ventures or subsidiaries. And so in this case, even our QSOs are leveraging many fintech partnerships as well to offer solutions to other credit unions. Or in, in one case, we launched a QSO recently that now is investing in supporting fintech companies as they continue to start to launch and grow and scale. 
Right, right. Okay. So what have been the challenges of working with fintechs? Do you find that culturally you're your organization was was open? I mean, what 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 were some of the challenges? So some of the challenges were, were just the vernacular. We're so in Creighton land, and, and I think most industries are this way, where you're kind of, you have your your way of speaking, your, your, your version of English. And when we started working with different fintech companies, um, in particular, one, they have the, a lot of the programmers were formally trained and were engineers. And so something very, very simple. And when we started launching one of our um, chatbots, one of the questions that came back from one of the engineers were they wanted us to start with, what is your inquiry? You know, I don't know about you. It's not a lead question. I go around asking people like, what is your inquiry? Like, you know, you want to find out, you know, um, how can I help you today? Right. You know, um, what problem can I help you solve? You know, uh, how is your experience? Those kinds of things. But just to lead with those kinds of things. Um, it's a little bit different. And so those are just some of the, the basics at the very entry level that we saw some challenges with. But for the most part, it's refreshing to work with fintech companies because many of our legacy providers in our space can't move at the speed that we want to. And we find that our fintech partners move as quick as we can move. And so it's refreshing. You know, one initiative that normally would take six months to launch uh, with a legacy partner, we did that in 10 days with one of our fintech partners. I mean, 10 days from the time we signed the contract to go live, 10 days. And it was just... It's, it's amazing and refreshing to have people that are as passionate about their business as we are. Right. So I want to switch gears a little bit. And for the second part of this interview, I want to really focus on, on, on like the credit unions more broadly because you've got, you've got a really rich experience here. And I think, uh, I think the listeners would appreciate this. So maybe um, we can start with uh, when you look at the sort of the range of different tech innovations that are out there, you've mentioned a few of them already. But when you look at cre- the credit union space more broadly, I mean, what are the tech in innovations that are impacting credit unions the most? Ones that are maybe a threat, of course, are this unbundling of our business where various competitors and startups are taking pieces and focusing on one area of the business and then disrupting that for credit unions. I think credit unions are reacting that to, to very, very well, by the way. Um, but then other pieces, I think, I think I can't say enough about AI and RPA. I think when you look at artificial intelligence or robotic process automation, may be the two single technologies that um, single most important technologies of my career. Historically speaking, we've always talked about that you had to be a certain size to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to, especially in a low interest rate environment, when you have the 10-year treasury trading at 36 basis points as it did during the pandemic, that is squeezing a margin that historically that 10-year treasury might have been at three or four or even five percent. Um, over the last 20 years, still in low rate environments compared to what we saw in the 80s and 90s. Um, and so when you look at that, how as a margin-based business, how do you create a bottom line that's sustainable in that environment? You have to have size. Historically speaking, that meant you had to have lots of assets because you need to be able to take and invest in these things, support your services. You had to have IT support, that kind of stuff. But when you think about AI, now you're able to scale at a fixed cost. So your variable revenue that you can generate from a fixed cost perspective can allow your business to scale more efficiently and faster than ever before. Um, As I mentioned before, just 26% of my calls, that might be five contact center agents. That's a very different cost structure, saving me about $251,000 per quarter over a million dollars per year, just in that one slice of the business that I'm mentioning today. There's many others as well. I think also from an experience perspective, in credit union land, um, as we don't have the ability, depending on your size of your credit union, some can, some can't, many can't in our industry, create solutions or have programmers on staff to help provide a great experience across different platforms to your member owners. 
And so robotic process automation allows you to connect different systems in an automated fashion that then allow you to provide the, the low cost goal that you're going for internally, but then also a superior member experience where you don't have hiccups and hurdles along the way. Um, and so that, that RPA process is big. So for instance, uh, I'll give you a, a tangible example. In some legacy core providers, it still requires that when a member selects a checking account online or if somebody's in the branch uh, choosing a checking account, they still require a manual touch in another system to order a debit card. And I know it doesn't sound like much, but you think about the overhead, the cost of issuing that debit card and the cost of that actual plastic itself, it, you start adding these things up, it becomes exponentially expensive and not sustainable. And so leveraging RPA to have that system say, okay, like we originated a checking account and then have the workflow automatically happen across the board and the member gets their digital debit card, they can put it out in Amazon, they can put it out in their various retailers that they have, it can be stored in mobile, and then the plastics either overnighted or or ship them or instant issued in the branch, it's a completely different experience than, than what we've seen historically. So those two technologies, in my opinion, are, are probably the most important that we've seen in the last 20 years. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, AI is, is talked about all the time, and I think robotic process automation is talked about less, but I think, uh, I appreciate you mentioning you bringing it up because I think it's uh, it probably has just as much potential uh, as AI, and I think people are just starting to wake up to that. So, what about like when you look at the competitive landscape for credit unions? I mean, obviously a lot of credit, well, most credit unions are pretty small, you know, and some of them don't have, you know, great technology, but what do you see as sort of the, the competitive threats for credit unions? You know, is it, is it large banks? Is it fintechs? Is it community banks? What's the competitive landscape like when you talk to your fellow, you know, credit union CEOs? I think, I think it's just the, the legacy culture, right? I mean, that, that, that's going to be, you know, how do we, reinvent and recreate ourselves uh, on a continuous basis, because that's what our competitors are doing. When you look at, for instance, there is, I'm not going to name names, but there was a, a bank that recently started up in less than five years, they achieved $50 billion in assets. Mm-hmm. That would make them the second largest credit union in the United States. Um, and so just to kind of give you an idea of that size, but I, I, I think, you know, we have to find a way to recreate ourselves. We have to find ways to continuously add value we have to have a relentless focus and discipline in serving our member owners, finding out what their needs, wants, and desires are, and fulfill that in a way that no one else does. We have rich data across the board. Every creating has it on their member owners that allows them to really take a prescriptive and predictive approach to their business where they can anticipate the needs of the member and they can then serve up a, a, a solution to them, whatever it might be, in a way that they don't have to go search for it. And you think about the quality of life that we can provide and helping people reach the best version of themselves in this environment, it really is quite outstanding if we can uh, uh, you know, just kind of take this and execute it. But in my opinion, it's just, we're probably um, our, our own biggest competitor. <laughs> right. Okay. So then, but then, I mean, credit unions, obviously, they're your nonprofits serving your members only. I mean, is that what I'm trying to get at is what, what are the advantages you have? Um, you are, you do have some advantages over even community banks, certainly over large banks and certainly over fintechs. How do you think credit unions are really leveraging this sort of, you know, the inherent close relationship with, with your members that uh, I think others, you know, other types of organizations struggle? I mean, are you, do you feel like that's being leveraged to the, um, to the extent it, it, it should be? You know, we've done a lot of work with uh, different organizations and um, different uh, foresight practitioners. And we, we believe that over the next, as the world becomes more and more digital, especially in the financial services space, 
trust is going to play a large role in selection and utilization of a financial service partner, financial institution. And so for us, we think that credit unions have a huge advantage in trust, that we are, can be trustworthy because of our design, because of our DNA, of how we've been created. When you look at how our financial cooperatives are structured, you know, we have volunteer board of directors that ultimately oversee the credit union's operations on behalf of the member owner, making sure that our organization is serving them in the best manner possible. So you start thinking about fiduciary of care, fiduciary of loyalty, you know, credit unions have by design a, a, a better structure. Um, now, I'm not going to say that banks are bad or anything like that, but I just think that credit unions, that is a something that is a tremendous advantage for us. Um, and again, I can't say enough about that trust. I think the trust factor, again, if we fast forward the clock 10 years, trust may be the single biggest differentiator. Right. Now, that's a really good point. And that's something that I think fintechs still have to earn that trust where the, the industry here is, uh, you know, it's still sort of grappling with how best to do that. But I mean, I think it's, as you say, it's inherent with uh, with credit unions. I think even, I mean, some people that knock on the large banks, but they trust them to actually take care of their money. Um, so that that's important too. But anyway, so what about the the younger generation? You know, the younger millennials, the Gen Z crowd. How are you focusing on them? And you're on a university. You're, you're on university campuses, so this is obviously maybe a little bit easier for you for your organisation. But credit unions in general, how do you think? What, what do you think they need to do to attract this this younger uh, younger crowd? I think we need to go back to our roots. I think if every credit union went back to their founding members, they're going to find passion that can be unlocked. They're going to find cause. They're going to find value that can be communicated in a way to all segments of the population, but particularly the younger generations. Um, I think when you look at value orientation, you know, I think you can't just have a cheap product anymore. Now it needs to be, you need to be creating tangible value financially, but then you also need to be um, a great corporate citizen. And there is no, there are very few industries that are as good as credit unions. Uh, you look across the board of the last, you know, hundred years, one hundred and twelve years that cranes have been inside the United States. You know, you don't see cranes on the front page for doing bad things, and you see a lot of cause where they're supporting causes, whether it's the Children's Miracle Network, whether it's building hospital wings, whether it's coming together for a, a common industry goal, or maybe it's a regional goal or even local goal of helping the community in some way. Uh, Credit are always there, have been uh, throughout time, a consistent player. And I think that ultimately is the reason why we're going to see continued growth with uh, the younger generations amongst all generations too, as we continue to go in that direction as a society. Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't really thought of that before till you just mentioned, till you just talked about it then. But yeah, because the, the younger generation, they want to sort of live their life in, a, in alignment with their values, probably more than any other uh, generation. And you know, I could see that, I could see how credit unions could really take advantage of that, which uh you know, I think which other organizations are going to struggle with. But then on the technology side, I mean, when I mean, you look, obviously we had the pandemic, which I think has forced the hand of a lot of people who are resistant. But when credit unions are sort of looking at technology, particularly partnering with fintechs, what, um, uh, what do you think they need to do to really make those partnerships successful? I think this is really uh, a question where you're going to have to actually with very high level of discipline and focus. Don't fintech to fintech. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but <laughs> you get what I'm saying, right? Don't, don't just go partner with fintech or choose a fintech. You need to make sure that you have a robust and detailed strategy that has a clear vision, not necessarily a certain vision, but a clear vision. When people have clarity, what are you trying to do? Something that aligns with your values and your purpose and really the uniqueness of your business model. So for us, 
Like if I went out there and said, okay, I want to partner with a fintech company that specializes in supporting manufacturer and assembly plants uh, across the country from whatever need they may have, that would be a bad fit for us. But if I can find a fintech company that wants to help support us around uh, some initiative that could help us on, on uh, support the university campuses that we serve, that would be fantastic. Absolutely a good fit for us. Um, I already mentioned AI and how we're using it. Another great fit for us. But I think uh, in addition, after you get through that piece of it, you got to make sure you look at, you know, how is this going to help us from a speed perspective? How is this going to help us from a people perspective, both inside, outside? And, and again, I think another big piece of this is um, you got to make sure you have a fintech partner you can trust. So what about on the lending side? I mean, obviously, there's, there's a huge number of fintechs focused on on the lending the lending space. Are you... Um, do you find that your members are satisfied with the, the the experience, whether it's a you know a personal loan or a credit card or or a, or a mortgage or something like that? I mean, what is it on the what about the lending space? Um, do you think is you know is missing or is or is needed for you know for credit unions to really just to satisfy the you know, the younger crowd? Yeah, I mean, at University of Creighton, we operate with with one you know continuous improvement principle, and that is. Everything can be improved upon. It doesn't matter what it is, everything can be improved upon. So to answer your question, everything can be improved upon when it comes to lending. Um, I think that, you know, from a, a, a hiccup or, or hurdle perspective, it really is trying to work with other companies that are required in the process that are outside of our control to help streamline and, again, create this frictionless experience for our member owners. So, for instance, uh, a car loan, how do you integrate with a DMV for Tideland? Um, when you're dealing with uh, a mortgage transaction, you think about all the different players that are in that from the appraiser uh, to getting the, the the various documents needed for the, you know, from a tax return perspective and maybe as an asset um, or financials from, from the CPA. How do we get all those documents in place? How do we make that automated? How can we make it simpler? Um, and, and those are the things that I think that really get in the way that make these processes so long. I mean, when you think about a mortgage, why do mortgages take 45 days or 30 days? I mean, there's no reason why they can't take, you know, 10 days um, with the exception of maybe some movers. Right? <laughs> and even then, <laughs> another player in the transaction needs to be thought through and how do we address that? So um, I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for improvement in lending. Um, and and uh, there's probably no better organization to, to, to solve for that than credit unions, because after all, um, that's, that's what credit unions do best. Right, right. Okay. So... I can hear it in your voice, and uh, clearly you've, you've devoted your career to credit unions. But I, I presume you're very optimistic about the, the future of credit unions. But maybe you could just take us out five or ten years, um, and what does what does the future look like for credit unions? Tough question because I always get myself in, in in hot water sometimes in this question uh, with the industry. But you know, I, I think the industry's got a bright future. I think as a not-for-profit financial cooperative. How we're designed, you know, our, our, regula our regulatory framework continues to be uh, very supportive of growing our, our industry. I, I think you're going to see more consolidations. That's definitely going to happen. We're at less than, uh, we're approaching 5,000 credit unions now uh, coming down from 5,300 beginning last year. So, you know, those, those consolidations will continue to happen. But I think that we will see growth in market share. So market share will continue to grow at the same time. I think that as people continue to search out value, they're going to find that inside credit unions. And so our industry is set to do very, very well in the future. We have tremendous talent coming into our industry from banking, from outside banking, from technology, from you know all different uh, verticals. And I think that talent and those insights, the diversity that we have is going to be uh, the secret to our success. But ultimately, it's the fact that 
we are so focused on our member owners because we are built for them. We are built to serve them. And um, our entire business models are around how do we return more to them? Uh, I, I think you know, anytime you have a business that's, that's structured that way, you're not worried about trying to pay some shareholder generating profits off of uh, some some customer base. Um, I, I think that you you probably have found maybe a potential blue ocean that uh, is sustainable. And I think that you know if you look at credit unions, we're at you know between seven and nine percent market share now. Uh, I don't think it's too crazy to say that that number doubles over the next ten years. Interesting, interesting. Well, we'll uh, we'll have to leave it there, uh, David. But it's it, it's going to be fun to watch. I think uh, you know credit unions in uh, you know I, I think do have a bright future, and they have inherent advantages that uh, that many other many other types of financial institutions don't. So, anyway, really appreciate you coming on the show today, David. And thanks for having me, and uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Okay, see ya. You know, David and I were chatting after we stopped recording and he was telling me about this uh, study they did around the younger, I think it was Gen Z uh, millennials talking about their spending habits, how they kind of move throughout the economy. And they, they do, as I said earlier, they, the, where they shop is aligned with their values, but where they bank for the most part has been wherever their parents banked. And that is both a challenge and an opportunity because, as I said, credit unions are mission-driven by nature. They're member, you know, they're really member-oriented. They really do align a lot with that sort of values-driven shopper. But unless they can find out about it, they, they won't switch. But, I, you know, I think that David is saying, you know, they could, credit unions could double their market share. I could see it happening if they can sort of basically get out there and get into the the minds of all these all these younger generations of and really make it clear that they do they do have you know an alignment with their values anyway on that note i will sign off i very much appreciate you listening and i'll catch you next time bye